privilege to preach again this morning. And uh, I'm going to be preaching out of Ephesians chapter 4 uh, from verse 31, if you want to just um, find that. But before we do, I just want to pray, if you don't mind. And uh, let's do, do that. Father, I want to thank you for your words. Uh, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the great teacher. You are the one that leads us into every truth and all truth. And so I pray this morning, I thank you for this message. I thank you for what you've given me. But I ask, Lord, that you would come and teach us. Uh, I ask, Lord, that more than that, you would, you would transform us to be more and more like Jesus. And we trust you for that this morning, not out of our own striving, not out of trying really hard to please you, but simply by asking you to work on the inside of us and change us so that we might be more and more like your son. I pray this all in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I felt a little disturbed in the last nine months, just in terms of some of the things that are happening in the world. Has it got to you a little bit? It feels like it's just getting more and more weird. It's just like suddenly the devil has kind of um, been let loose in the world in a way that we haven't seen for a while. And things are getting chaotic and dark. And, and it seems like evil is, is uh, just at another level. And uh, I mean, it's crazy. Just in North London, someone had their head chopped off by a maniac this week. It's just like bizarre what is going on. And so, I, I want to talk to you about a very simple thing. I don't know if you believe this, but I believe that we can transform things by simply being like Jesus. Do you believe that? We can make a difference to the world simply by becoming more Christ-like. And here, I want to give you a very simple message this morning about kindness. <laughs> about kindness, Christian kindness. And I believe it's one of the ways that we can help to transform our families. How many of you wish your family was kinder sometimes? Extended family, uh, husband and wives. I, I wanted to say this to you. The, 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 the best way you can wreck your marriage is to be consistently unkind to each other. You'll wreck your marriage quickly. You will, um, you will have demons living with you every single day. We don't want that, do we? And here is a, a very simple scripture where Paul gives an instruction to the Ephesian church. He says this, um, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself, himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And I suppose every time you read the scripture, there's so much you could say. And I'm just going to just focus on one little verse, that little instruction that he gives, be kind to one another. And I'd like to try and explore that with you this morning. I, I think there are five things that these verses show us about kindness and how we should be kind as Christians. Um, first of all, how much kindness should we show? So I think it addresses something of the extent of Christian, Christian kindness. How much kindness really should we show? Secondly, the source of Christian kindness 
If you look there, it's put in the first verse. Uh, Christian kindness doesn't come from trying really hard to be kind. Uh, how many of you know that doesn't work, trying very hard to be kind? You can try all you like. So it just doesn't help you. There's a source of Christian kindness that this illustrates for us. It says, be tender-hearted. That's how you become kind, when your heart becomes tender. All right? You can look at that. Third, how do we show kindness? How's it demonstrated? Well, again, there's some keys in these verses for us. It says, forgive one another as God has forgiven you. And love one another. There, there are two keys for us. Forgiveness and love is how we start to demonstrate kindness to the world and to each other. And lastly, how do we activate it in our lives? And I'd like to look at that as well. So how much Christian kindness should we show then? Let's look at the first one. How much kindness should we show? Well, the, the verse 31 answers the question for us, doesn't it? It simply says, it is so extensive, kindness in our lives is so extensive that it replaces all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, clamor, slander, and malice. That's, how, that's the extent to which Christian kindness extends in our lives. It replaces all of those things. So in other words, when it says all, it means all. So Paul says at the beginning, all bitterness. And he ends his sentence by saying, all malice. It includes everything. So let me, let me um, try and help you with this because really Paul is giving a practical, a practical application of what he's already said in verse 22. If you just flip back to, to verse 22 of, of chapter 4, it says this. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former way of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul has already encouraged the, the, the Ephesian church. I'm going to look at that in the next couple of weeks as well. What does it mean to put off the old and put on the new? And now this is the practical application. He's, he's giving them a practical application of how they can put off the old self and how they can begin to live in the new self. And he talks about kindness, all right? So the first question I'd like to try and raise with you, when he says, all wrath and, uh, um, and, and anger, he says, put those things off and that they should be replaced by kindness, um, I want to just look a little bit at that with, with you. He says, we must put off bitterness. That means fighting with each other and clamoring and arguing. Uh, he says, put off slander. That means rumor spreading, you know, spreading rumors about other people, evil speaking behind people's backs, all that kind of stuff. Malice. Malice is, means um, when you've got evil intent towards someone. You want to do them harm. He says, put that off as well. So all those things are to be put off. No exceptions. Uh, I want to say that up front. But I want to ask this question because um, verse 26, if you have a look, it says, it says, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry. So he's saying you can be angry. So is that included in malice and bitterness and all those things? And remember from our study of James, remember James 1 verse 19, which we spend a lot of time speaking about, says, be slow to anger. Do you remember it says that? It says, be slow to anger. Mark 3 verse 5 says this, Jesus looked at the Pharisees with anger. 
Question. Does the kindness of Jesus extend to the Pharisees at that point? When he looks at them with anger, was he still being kind to them? Um, what about Matthew 23? I love some of the sayings of Jesus. They are so radical. Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs. <laughs> what about Matthew 23, 15? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You cross the sea and the land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a convert, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. <laughs> Was he being kind when he said these things to the Pharisees? What about uh, John 2 or Matthew 21, where we read Jesus in the temple making a whip of cords of, of, of rope and driving out the money changers and whipping them as they go? Was he being kind? So, I wonder if we'd asked Jesus, if we'd gone after him, after he'd done that stuff, after he'd spoken to the Pharisees, after he'd whipped the money lenders and kicked them out. And we had asked him and said, I wonder what he would have said to us. Jesus, were you being kind to those people? <laughs> I wonder what he would have said. I thought he could have probably might have said some things like this. He might have said, sometimes a heart of love and passion for what is true doesn't express itself in kindness. He might have said that. I don't know. He might have. He, he could have said, sometimes there's a kind of kindness that is hard as nails. He could have said that. Which do you think he might have said to, the, to us if we'd asked that question? Kindness, he might have said this. Kindness is big enough to include whipping and rebuking people with woes. He might have said that. Or he might have said this. He might have said, kindness is one form of righteousness, but it's not always the best form of righteousness. So can you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying we mustn't be kind, but I'm saying there's a kind of anger which doesn't express itself in kindness, and I'm going to look at that in the next couple of weeks. But if we do look at the word the kindness in the New Testament, I have to say this, to honor what the New Testament says, I would say that Jesus at those, that point when he was speaking to the Pharisees and demonstrating things was not being kind to them, he was being severe with them. And this is what the Scripture says. Romans eleven twenty two separates the kindness of God from the severity of God, from the, the wrath of God. It says in verse 22, Note the kindness and the severity of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness is towards you, provided you continue in His kindness. So I'm trying to say this too. Kindness is not an absolute virtue. It's not always the most loving thing to do. Most of the time it is, the majority of the time it is, but not always. And so I want to say, first of all, as we start speaking about kindness and looking at kindness in the local church, that sometimes kindness can be imprecise. Uh, we, we would like to have a formula to live by, isn't it? So, but Christian living is not, you can't live by a formula. You need the Holy Spirit every moment of every day to help you to respond appropriately. And um, 
Paul says in Ephesians 4.26, I've quoted already, that we should be angry, but do not sin. And then he carries on and says, we've got to get rid of all those slander and those eruptions of evil that um, sometimes go along with that. And then I'd like to say, secondly, the source of Christian kindness. What is the source of Christian kindness? Well, it comes from a tender and a changed heart. And I've always said in this church, and I'm going to continue saying it until I die, that um, Christian living is not living by a series of rules and regulations. Christian living is living from the inside out. It comes from a changed heart. And when your heart is changed, and your heart is soft, and your heart is tender towards God, then the outward behavior automatically follows. You can't transform people by wagging your finger and saying, behave better. <laughs> I know with my boys, I can, give them, I can give them certain things which I think are good parameters, but you know what changes them more than anything? is on the inside, when they start to have an understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them, then they start to live differently then I can trust them when they go out with their mates. I know they're not going to get blitzed out of their minds because they don't value that. Not because I haven't told them uh, that I haven't put a boundary on them and said, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink, but because they know it's not what Jesus would like for their lives. It's not the best option for them. Are you with me? This is, this is different living. And so comes from a tender heart. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Christian, the source of Christian kindness is tender-heartedness. If it's hard on the inside, you might have all the manners on the outside, but it's not Christian kindness. Are you with me? Uh, I've just got back from holiday and uh, had a wonderful opportunity to lie in the sun and get a suntan how many of you know that if you don't put sun cream on on the first day, it's absolute pain for the, the, the rest of the holiday? Isn't it true? If you forget on that first day and you just get out in the sun, you come back, you're as red as anything, and everything you touch is like, oh, you can't even put your T-shirt on. Have you ever had that? Yeah? You know what I'm talking about. It's the same way with our hearts. It's the same way. When your heart is tender towards God, Anything that is a little bit off makes it sore. Are you with me? That's what I'm talking about. It's the same thing. It's, um, the idea is when our hearts are tender towards God, when there's evil that touches them, it hurts. So I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about being, being so touchy that no one can say anything to us. I'm talking about evil. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about that we get all kind of prissy with people and no one can say anything because it's going to hurt me. I'm talking about the evil of the world. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about those kind of things. If, if we are completely hard, there's something wrong. Okay. So, I'm saying this to you, that Christian kindness is so deep that you can't turn it on like a tap. <laughs> you can't say... I'm going to be kind today. I'm going to be kind today. And you just walk around trying to be kind to people. How many of you know that you can do that for a while, but you can't do that for long? Anyone else find that in their lives? Anyone? Or is there some honest people in this congregation? That's good. 
And how do we demonstrate kindness? Well, here it says it, we demonstrate it in forgiveness and love. And there's, there's two, these two things point us to how we can start living by the Spirit, through forgiveness and love. There's a pattern here in verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Kindness calls for forgiveness. If we're going to be kind to each other, we have to learn to forgive. And the pattern is, God has forgiven us for all of our crap. God has forgiven us for all of it. Surely we must forgive others for all of this. Are you with me? God has forgiven us all, and we forgive with the same heart. Um, uh, then, the second part of it, verse 2, Walk in love as Christ loved and gave Himself up for us. So love, forgiveness, is expressed in that way. And again, the pattern is, as Christ gave Himself up for us, so in the same way, we let others off the hook. Remember R.T. Kendall, if you truly forgive someone, you let them off the hook. They get away with it, in a sense. You don't hold revenge in your heart. One day, I'm going to get even. One day, I'm remembering that thing that you did to me, and I've just put it on the back burner, and at the appropriate time, I'm going to bring it up in conversation, and I've never forgotten it. <laughs> that's not living free, and that's not living in Christian kindness and forgiveness. So, four qualities of God's forgiveness that I believe help us to understand forgiveness and how we can then practically forgive others. First, God's forgiveness takes sin seriously. And our, we should also take sin seriously. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you just gloss over the thing that is wrong. When someone's hurt you deeply, it doesn't mean you just pretend it didn't happen. Christian forgiveness look, uh, looks at that thing in the eye, recognizes it, and then says this, that is covered by the blood of Jesus. Yeah? It's looking at square in the eye. It's like Jesus did for us. He looked our sin completely straight in the eye, and he said, because I love these people, I'm going to the cross, and my blood is going to cover that sin for all time. We do the same. You know, I, I, my wife is uh, an amazing lady, because I've, I've said some stupid things and done some stupid things as a husband. And you know, when I apologize to her, and ask for her forgiveness for something that I've said or done, she doesn't say to me, it makes no difference to me, she doesn't say, oh, I don't care. <laughs> she says, I forgive you. And I know she means it. That's what we have to do with each other in the same way that we really mean it. We let people off the hook and say, my, my friend, I forgive you. It's done. It's covered by the blood. Secondly, God's forgiveness settles the account. Aren't you happy about that? God's forgiveness settles the account, and so should our forgiveness settle the account. That we don't keep a record of wrongs. You see, God never, ever tries to put things, uh, hide them under the rug. You know, just pick up the corner of the carpet and put all the stu ugly stuff underneath. Someone always pays. So when kindness calls us, to forgive a wrong that someone has done us, 
we are always undergirded with this thing. The wrong is going to be dealt with. What do I mean by that? Simply this. The, the thing that was committed against you or against me, that will be dealt with. It will be dealt with in two ways. Either that person who's done that wrong to us comes to a knowledge of Jesus and understands that every wrong thing that they've said or done has been dealt with in the blood of Jesus, and they are forgiven, and so that wrong thing that they did us is under the blood of Jesus, and it's covered, and they enjoy the same forgiveness that we do, and the same mercy that we do. So it's either dealt with in that way, or secondly, perhaps they don't ever come to Christ. Perhaps they never admit that they've done any wrong towards you. You know what the confidence that I have is? That that thing will be dealt with in eternity. It will be dealt with. It will be dealt with, either now or in eternity. And that's what you rest on. Not in a kind of um, malicious way or, or a negative way. No, simply you just rest on Jesus. Will you, will you save that person? <laughs> will you help them to see that they've hurt others? The same way that you've helped me to see that I've hurt others? And will you bring to the, them to the amazing point of freedom, knowing that all that they've done to hurt other people is under the blood of Jesus? It's dealt with. It's gone. As far as the east is from the west. Man, that's freedom. Isn't that wonderful? And so that's what we rest on. That's why I've been saying to people, don't vindicate yourself. What am I trying to say by that? Don't try and get even. <laughs> don't try and show that you've been wronged. That, that's what it means to love your enemies. I mean, the Christian life is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Jesus, He says, love those that curse you. Love those that speak badly of you. <laughs> Man, it's radical. I'm excited about this because this is life for us. Third, God's forgiveness is costly and so is forgiveness for you. God gave His Son. I've spoken about that already. You know what it's going to cost you? And here's the hard part. The sweet taste of revenge. That's what it's going to cost you. That, that sense of, I was right, and now everyone can see I was right, and you feel, ah, I've got my revenge. Look how they've gone down in burning flames, those wicked people that harmed me. That's what it's going to cost you. If you truly forgive from the heart, that's what it's going to cost you. You lay that down and you say, I don't need that and I don't want that. It's going to cost you that. So I'd like to speak in the next couple of weeks as well about why we shouldn't bear grudges against people. <laughs> and I'll have a look at that with you if I get time. So I've got a lot. My holiday was fruitful. I came back with all these things I wanted. Fourth, Remember, we're talking about qualities of God's forgiveness that we can learn from and how we can learn to be kind and forgive one another. The fourth thing is God forgi God's forgiveness is real, and so should ours be real. What do I mean by that? Well, there's no sham when God forgives us, is there? Uh, he really means it. When He says it's forgiven, it's done, He really, really means it. Nothing is held over our heads for later time where God blackmails us or, or tries to do that. And uh, like I've said already, it must be the same for us. There's no harboring of resentment for a later putting in of the sword <laughs> for anyone. All right? That's the pattern of God's forgiveness. Four things. I want to just give you three things. Pattern of Christ's love towards us. And after this, we're going to pray for each other and trust God for His work in our lives. Because that really is what it comes down to, isn't it? 
First of all, I'd say this. Jesus' love is, is undeserved, isn't it? It's completely undeserved. We can't insist on people's love before we extend them kindness. <laughs> isn't that true? Sometimes we do that. We say, okay, well, if you love me, I'll be kind to you. If you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. I mean, that's how it works, isn't it? <laughs> that's, not, that's not what Jesus calls us to do. Christ says this, freely you have received, freely you give. And so, uh, Luke 6.35, love your enemies, do good to those that curse you, <laughs> and you will be called sons of the Most High. Why? For He is kind, this is God, He is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Isn't that the hard part? When, we, when people are grateful for what we do, then we feel, that's cool. I can live with that. They're grateful. What happens when you show kindness to someone and they're not grateful? I was up at the parking lot in uh, St. Albans the other day, sitting in the queue behind another car. And this woman, this older lady, she came so fast past me that she whacked my mirror off. And she was going too fast. And so the boys were in the car with me, so I got out my mirror, I pick it up from the, the road, and I'm trying to be kind. So I say to her, no, no, it's okay, it's fine. Don't worry, we'll get it sorted out with the insurance. Uh, you were going to, a bit fast, but I'm sure it'll, it'll be fine. I get a phone call from the assessor. She, the assessor says, actually, the person is saying it wasn't their fault. I'm stationary. I'm not moving. I'm behind somebody else. They've come too close. They've knocked Mama off. She says it wasn't her fault. She can't claim she's not going to accept responsibility for the accident. What happens when you're kind to someone? I was showing her mercy. I was trying to say, okay, it's okay. We're gonna, it was an accident. Don't worry about it. Now she's, she's saying, it was my fault. What happens when you show kindness to someone and they're ungrateful? Huh? No, it can never be like that. Because then if, we're, if it's like that, we are just behaving like pagans. Pagans say, if you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. If you're patient with me, I'll be patient with you. That's how it works. Jesus said, it's not how it works. You are kind to those who are not kind to you. You love those who do not love you. You are kind to your enemies. You speak blessing over your enemies. This is radical, supernatural living by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's the only way it's possible. Second, the love of Christ for us is holy, and our love should also be holy. What I mean by that? Well, Ephesians 5, if you go later, if you flip over, it says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her and present her to himself in glory, that she might be holy and blameless. So the aim of Christ's love towards us is holiness. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be a holy and a glorious church. And so we can't, we can't be driven by sentiment. We can't be driven by emotion all the time. You know, if I feel this, then I'll do it. It can't work like that in the kingdom. Actually, what God aims for with us 
is holiness. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be like His Son. That's the destiny that we have, that we're being transformed more and more to um, the glory and likeness of Jesus. So we can't respond to people out of emotion. We can't respond to people out of a sense of, well, um, we want to feel accepted and happy, and so that's why we, we behave in a certain way. It's not a strategy to avoid conflict. It's a pattern that the love of Christ gives us, and the end goal of that pattern is that all of us become more and more like His Son. All of us become holy like Jesus is holy. And lastly, the love of Christ towards us was sacrificial. It den- he denied Himself, and so our love and, uh, towards others should be in the same way. It's basically what I've said already, that the love of God was costly, but it's good that I say it again. And I've said it already, the hardest thing that we're called to do as Christians is to show kindness to other people when it's hurting us and we don't feel like it at all. (laughs) And that's only possible by a miracle of grace, really, isn't it? It's a miracle of grace. And so that brings me to my final point. Fourthly, how do we activate this in our lives then? Well, again, the, the text tells us in verse 31, and here's the amazing thing. At the same time, we uh, do two things. One is, one is a passive thing, and one is, one is an active thing. And this is what I mean. Verse 31 says literally, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be taken away from you. It's a passive verb. There's anger and wrath and stuff on the inside that needs to be taken away from you. I put it to you this morning that you, can't, you cannot take that away yourself. More than that, you can fly out of this building. (laughs) You can't take away anger and bitterness yourself. What do you need? You need it to be taken from you. Who is the one that takes it away from you? The Holy Spirit takes it away from you. As you yield yourself to Him, He takes away bitterness, anger, as you yield to Him, as you open your heart, as you let your heart become soft and soft and soft in the presence of God, He takes away anger, bitterness, and the desire to speak badly of others. Let it be taken away from you. And we do that as we let the Holy Spirit do in us, and also as we apply faith, as we walk by faith. What do I mean? Well, the Holy Spirit is the power, and uh, Galatians 5.22 says very plainly, these are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent who does it on the inside of us, and He does the supernatural work in us so that the outward way that we live conforms to what He's done inside of us, and that needs to be the cry of all of our hearts as we go forward, isn't it? Holy Spirit, change me, please. And so when I'm saying we're doing an active thing and a passive thing at the same time, the passive thing is, God, I cannot do this. The active thing that I I do is, Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. Show me. Change me from the inside. Help me. Help me with my anger. Help me with my resentment. God, I, I can't take it away. Only you can take it away, your Spirit, by your Spirit. Please help me. And we get other people to pray for us. And we minister to each other. And God ministers to us. And the, the anger goes. Man, that's wonderful. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. So, what does Paul say? Well, he reminds us in Galatians, he says we must do this by faith. 
by faith. Faith means actively believing that God is doing it. Not you, but God is doing it. What does he say in Galatians? Remember our study of Galatians in, in, in chapter 3, verse 2. You foolish Galatians, Paul says, did you begin, receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Have you begun with the Spirit and now you're ending with the flesh? Paul is reminding them, he's saying the same thing that I'm trying to say to you this morning. Are you going to try and get rid of rage and anger and unforgiveness inside of your own heart? Paul would say to you, no, don't be so stupid. You can't do it. It is only possible to overcome anger and wrath and bitterness and slander, not by the power of your own flesh, not by trying really hard. This morning, I'm going to have my coffee and I'm going to be kind to my wife. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to try really, really hard to bear the fruit of the Spirit in my life. No, you don't do it by working hard. You do it by believing. You do it by faith. When you think right, you start to live right. And so you do have your coffee in the morning and you say to yourself, Holy Spirit, this morning, won't you help me right now just to soften my heart so that when my wife wakes up, kindness is what she experiences right now. It's a different thing. Do you get it? I know I'm laboring it a bit this morning. You are saying when you do that, I am believing you, Father. I, Holy Spirit, I am trusting you for every moment of this day. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. And I don't always get it right. And when I don't get it right, I know forgiveness is just there for me. I can say, Jesus, I'm so sorry I messed up again. And I live free from that moment <laughs> because the Holy Spirit reminds me that Christ has paid the price already. Amen? So, the source of Christian kindness is this. If we really do trust that the Holy Spirit is going to conquer unkindness in our hearts, we have to believe three things. And I want to ask you this morning as I conclude these three things. Do you believe that Jesus died in your place? You're never going to experience this in your life if you don't believe Jesus died in your place. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I don't know if you've ever thought about that verse, but that verse is, is, is um, for me, is like, it's an incredible... Um, It says that the smell of God's Son dying was pleasing to the Father. Have you ever thought about it? It's, it's, it's awful. It's absolutely incredible what Paul is saying. The sight of his Son dying, the one that he loved, was a fragrant offering to God that pleased him because he knew in that moment sin was being dealt for forever. It's incredible. So, I'm saying to you, you have to believe that the reality for overcoming unkindness in our own lives is the power of God through the death of Jesus. That's what uproots it in our lives. That's what tears it out. Second, you've got to believe that God's forgiven all your sins. Verse 32, 
forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. You, you know, and I don't want to say this, I, I hope this comes out right. You know, I've discovered this more and more in my life. People who are unkind to others, you know why they're unkind to others? It's because they're really unkind to themselves. They don't really, really, really believe that Jesus has forgiven them for the ugliness that they've done to others. And because they can't believe it for themselves, they can't believe it's possible for anybody else. And so they're unkind with themselves, and they are unkind to others. I'm just saying to you that surely our prayer should be for those that we love, out of a heart and compassion, is if you understand that Jesus died for you and forgave you all of your sins, and you've enjoyed an incredible liberty and freedom in your life, that same thing, we should want that for other people. Isn't that true? We we would long for that. And instead of reacting when people are unkind to us, to realize they are just behaving like people behave that don't know the love of God. (laughs) See, that's what I mean when I say there's a tenderheartedness that comes when you know that Jesus has forgiven all your sins. Lastly, must believe that we are loved by God. Verse 1 of that portion says, Be imitators of God as loved children. As loved children. Do you know that you're loved by God? I mean, I've said these things before. Do you know that you're a son? You know, uh, last little thing. Uh, I've had some discussions with ladies who say, I object to the fact that God calls me a son. I'm a daughter. We should say sons and daughters. And you know, on one level, you are absolutely right. But can I, can I point you to the miracle of what Paul was actually saying when he said we are all sons of God? You know what he was really saying? In ancient, in ancient civilizations, women had no status in society whatsoever. None. Could not own land. They had no status at all. What Paul is saying, ladies, when he calls you a son, you know what he's saying? There's no second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. We all have the rights of the firstborn son. That is incredible. It's an amazing thing. He's saying all of us before the Father have the rights of the firstborn in son. We have all the inheritance. We have every good thing that we could ever want for, and you are included in that man, woman, child, anyone who puts their faith in Jesus, Full rights, equal before God. That is radical. That is not chauvinism. That is chauvinism turned on its head upside down and kicked and dealt with forever. Well, I was excited about that. This is the radical good news that we have to live out and proclaim, my friends. So I want to say, my friends, to you in this church, brothers and sisters in in Jesus, I'm asking you, to believe with all of your heart what I've tried to preach this morning. It's the only, it's the only way that we're going to learn to uh, be kind to one another and to those that don't know Jesus. And what I'd like to do this morning is that we just spend some time praying for each other. Honestly, just praying for each other. We're going to break bread. We're going to come before the cross. We're going to say, Jesus, I know you want us, me to be kind. I know this is impossible outside of your Holy Spirit doing a radical work in my life. So wherever I am along the scale of kindness, I want you to help me by the power of your Spirit. I'm not asking you to look at anybody else's life, and I'm not asking you to get all introverted in your own life either and beat yourself up. I'm just saying to you, let's pray for each other, and let's ask God to help us on the inside to live by the Spirit 
and to live grateful hearts and to extend that same kindness that God has extended to us to other people. Can we do that? And that is impossible without the Holy Spirit. So all I'm asking you to do today is to ask for the Holy Spirit to help you as we break bread. Amen? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me <laughs> as we break bread together this morning. Let's do that. Father, I want to thank you for this delightful church. Thank you for the journey that you're taking us on. Thank you that you're teaching us by your Spirit how to walk by the Spirit every day of our lives. And Lord, we, we live in such an unkind world uh, that just people trample on each other to get what they want. Lord, we ask that you'd help us to live as you want us to live. And Lord, this is, this is not possible outside of knowing that you love us, that you've forgiven us, and that you've removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. We thank you for that great kindness that you've extended towards us. And in the same way, Lord, we don't want to keep a record of wrongs. We don't want to keep accounts with people. We don't want to give the devil a foothold in our lives by bearing grudges. And so we ask you, Lord, by the power of the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, your promise is that same Spirit lives on the inside of us. And we ask for that power to help us every moment of every day to respond as you want us to respond, to respond with the kindness of Christ. And we're not saying, Lord, we find that so difficult. Outside of your Spirit is impossible. And so as we break bread together, Lord, this morning we ask for that power, that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to empower us as we seek to live for you and bring you glory, that you might have come back for a holy and pure bride. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.